0: Hi, I'm Guy Andrews and this is Guys Garage. This is a show about everything that guys love. I want to do a little bit of uh little bit of homework before we start and introduce our, our next guest, but guys, I really need subscribers on the YouTube channel. If we're gonna keep this thing rolling, we've gotta get lots of subscribers. So when you watch it, hit that subscribe button. Follow us on uh, on Facebook at just guys garage and Instagram at guys underscore garage underscore. So, uh, yeah, give us a follow on all those platforms and uh, we'll get this story out there. So, Guy's Garage is all about everything guys love and having a good time, reviewing lots of fun things and the podcast, uh, introducing some uh, fantastic guests and stories to you all. Also, Guy's Garage is about men's health and men's issues, including prostate cancer and mental health for everybody, especially for men. So, we're focusing on men. And... Speaking of men, I have a man in my studio right now, a fella who I've actually had the f- uh, been fortunate enough to work with a little bit, uh, a V8 enduro driver, probably one of the best enduro drivers uh, in the in the country. Has uh, been going around in the motorsport industry for uh, quite a few years now, and I can't wait to hear about his uh, his story. Uh, just like to welcome Warren Love. G'day buddy, how are you? Good to see you mate. (laughs) Good to catch up finally. (laughs) Good thing about these podcasts is all these busy mates of mine I get to actually catch (laughs) up with, so it's it's actually pretty hard to, these days, you must get that, you get super busy hey and it's hard to sort of carve out time for your old mates and family and stuff
1: yeah it is like it's uh you know what it's like you sort of uh, most of the year is spent sort of uh traveling and obviously working and and doing all that sort of stuff and obviously now like yourself with a with a young family obviously both our daughters are only a couple of months apart it's yeah, just um, three and a half eh? it's crazy just how the year just sort of just blends into one you sort of get to the end of the year and um and even like earlier today i was just chatting to a mate of mine and um he's a motoring journalist just lives uh, not too far from down here and same thing just catching up and we're both like look yeah. we've been slack haven't had a chance to catch up and it's uh, tough.
0: Hey? I mean, yeah, uh, uh, you know, social media is good. You can sort kind of keep in contact with friends, but you don't really actually catch up face to face. Did you notice enough in the, in the camera for the people that are watching on YouTube? I've, I've just gotten rid of all the glitter and makeup from uh, <laughs> from my daughter from a couple of hours ago. She was. Practising on my face So I bet you get A bit of that Have you ever, ever Had that experience mate
1: Yeah she's sort of At that age now Where like she's uh, Discovered sort of uh, Make up And all, all all things Very girly And all that sort of stuff So uh, yeah, yeah Like trying to sort of uh, Even do her hair Every morning She's like oh, I've got to brush Daddy's hair first Obviously Yeah, yeah you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well yeah <laughs> Alex
0: doesn't get to do that With my hair unfortunately But yeah she but could
1: do yours Yeah yeah No she uh, tries to put it Into ponytails And do all sorts of weird stuff But uh, it's, a, it's a good
0: fun age Yeah it is Mate Tell us a little bit About your history I know you're uh, Well, at least second generation, your dad, Ian, uh, is an amazing car guy and has been around the current motoring industry forever. Is there, to give us some background on how that all come about. And I'm actually interested to know, does it go back further than that? Um, no, look, I suppose in, in terms of our
1: family, sort of dad was sort of the first one to sort of get involved in cars and driving and racing, sort of grandma and grandpa Sort of, uh were never sort of into that. Grandpa was a photographer, grandma was a stay-at-home mum, so it was dad that really sort of became the sort of first person that had a real interest in cars. But funnily enough, so did his uh his sister. So my auntie, she also yep. back in the sort of the the late 70s, early 80s, wasn't actually a bad steerer herself. Did she do racing? Yeah, well, she did. She did a lot of super sprints out at Amaru, yeah. of Amaroo. Sort of when her and her husband first moved to yeah. to Sydney from Melbourne, she had a uh, a GDR XU1 Tirana with all the sort of the hot bits on it and everything <laughs> like that. So um, awesome. it was. It's
0: it's interesting um, because my dad liked cars, but he wasn't a car guy like like I ended up being. Was there a moment or something that sort of turned your dad on? And obviously you're different because you're second generation, we'll get into that, but did, did your dad ever recall that moment that switched him onto cars? I don't think for him there was ever one
1: sort of moment. It was always just a a passion for him of of cars and speed. And, um, like, even when he first got his licence and um, I think he even started on a motorbike um, and he was trying to sort of convince uh, Grandpa that uh, the bike that he wanted to get um, that... uh, that I think it was like a 650 or something like that, but like <laughs> grandpa was like no 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 yeah. you can't get the 650 and all this sort of stuff um, and then eventually grandpa sort of conceded and sort of the deal that they made was the he'd only use half throttle. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, so that was yeah, sure, that, grandpa. That, that, that was their deal because I think grandpa secretly no secret- data logging back then, no, right. no data log- but I think grandpa secretly wanted to have a ride of the bike as well. Yeah, and uh, yeah. his words to dad were, Look, you can get the bike, but you can only use half throttle. So, yeah, of course, yeah. dad so use the second half, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sec- <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah the back half, I know another joke like that, but we won't say that. Well, maybe we could at Sky's Garage, but anyway. <laughs> We uh we'll move on. So tell me more. So you so you're a young fella. You're growing up. Your dad's into the cars. So paint the picture for us.
1: Yeah. Look. Um. Look. Dad was involved in cars and, and motorsport from even before I was born. But um from when he moved to Sydney, sort of like in the mid '70s, uh, he started working for Peter Werrett at the Peter Werrett Driving School. Yeah. Uh, and eventually, famous name fa- that, famous name in uh, in both cars and obviously motoring industry and everything. Uh and then dad went out on his own and started his own driving school. So literally from like when I was a kid Dad was based out of Oran Park for sort of over thirty years, um, so I was out of Oran Parks from a, as young as I can ever remember, and I started driving cars like when I was eight and nine years of age around Oran Park. Do you miss Oran Park? Yeah. Do you believe it's gone. Well, I can't believe that it's gone. But the funny thing is, my sister actually lives in the the housing oh, the estate. Oh, uh, well, that's in, in, that's in the estate that's actually there. Almost. But like about six months ago, I went for a drive out that way when I was in Sydney. I hadn't been out to Oran Park since it actually closed. Like,
0: did, did they keep any of the shape? There? No, no. It's all, it's, wouldn't it's that all be gone? nice? Imagine if they kept the track and just built. Houses yeah. The like you Yeah, like
1: you go there now, like you go down the northern road and you look across to a used to be where the track was and you you can't see, like there's can't just thousands it. of houses but like Dad and I actually did the very last track day at Oran yeah. Park in 2008 and we actually drove the last laps wow. of the
0: circuit before the bulldozers actually No one better ca- really to, to do You've probably done the most like to anybody in history. Yeah, I'd say. Your dad well, d- would dad,
1: dad definitely and um, yeah. so yeah, for me I suppose I just kind of grew up around cars and driving and as I said, from driving cars at a very young age and Dad doing sort of motorsport over the years, it was just that sort of that natural Progression of that so how, I, how old were you, Lena? Did you start in carts? And no, I didn't do I didn't do go karting when I was a kid. Um, mum and dad separated, and sort of dad was off sort of doing business, and uh, my sister and I were sort of with mum, and and did the usual sort of divorced parents sort of every mm. second weekend with dad. So. Whilst I never did go karting, I was still, as I said, from a young age driving cars. So I don't feel that I really missed out. Obviously I would have loved to have done go-karting, but I don't feel
0: that I sort of really missed out on anything because I was still driving. So from a young age, did you I mean, you see these young go-karters and they wanna you know, they want to follow Danny Ricciardo, Mike Weber footsteps, open wheel stuff. So you having that different sort of grounding early years, did you have those aspirations or did you want to go tin tops? You know, like what was your early i think for me um
1: because i sort of grew up watching peter brock and dick johnson and going to bathurst and doing all those sorts of cool things um i I suppose i sort of naturally gravitated more towards sort of touring cars Mm. than the open wheeler path i've only ever done sort of three or four actual open wheel races in my life sort of in formula ford actually in new zealand so if if you
0: had to put a percentage on young drivers coming through like i I guess it may have changed over the years but like you know, I, know, I remember watching too, like the long weekend in October, always watching Dickie Johnson and, and Brocky and those guys and glued to the TV and, and would, all, you know, would have given anything to become a race car driver back then. But um, and, and I never even considered open wheel, but like young carters today or kids coming through today, you know, if there was a percentage at to put on it, the guys that want to be Mark Webber or Danny Ricciardo or Lewis Hamilton, or guys that actually start out going, oh, I want to be, you know, Courtney and Jamie Winkup, and follow that that route. Do you, do you think they all start out? Do they all start out wanting to be open wheelers and then steer off when they don't make it, or do they actually th- start in different trajectories? I think it's actually changed over the over the years and over the generations.
1: Like, sort of you go back to sort of obviously when we sort of grew up and everything like that. If you wanted to have a uh, a professional career as a race car driver, you had to go to Europe. Mm. Um, there was very few guys that made a living from racing touring cars here in Australia. Like you can literally just name them on one hand. Like mm. your Peter Brock, your Dick Johnson, and it, like even Dick Johnson was
0: the underdog. Like you think back to when he hit the rock, and it was sort yeah, of like yeah. that. There was because it was it, kind of like that family business almost, wasn't it? Back in the Back in the 80s. and yeah, So when did it start to become a professional sport where you could make money and stay in Australia?
1: Look, I think probably sometime towards sort of the late 90s. Like if you look at, like Craig Lowndes was probably the first of the real sort of new generation mm-hmm. of young guys that came through that really sort of, I suppose, made that pathway that um, that young guys going into V8 Supercars was actually a good idea because a lot of teams sort of back in those days, they sort of stuck with the established names and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And it wasn't really a a platform for young guys to be able to sort of really grow uh, and really show their sort of skills. So that's why obviously a lot of guys tended to sort of head off towards Europe. But I think sort of the from sort of Craig Lowndes sort of onwards, V8 Supercars has now sort of become a, a genuine career path because... There's so many more professional teams. Like we look at it today, every team out there is professional. There's yeah. n- there's no more privateers. There's no more sort of guys sort worry of the, you, kinda. yeah. There's no guys sort of rocking up to Bathurst trying to sort of sort of pre qualify and and do all those sorts of things. So mm. um, I think these days, like kids coming through go karting, um, like I've done a bit of work with SP Tools with the Junior Sprockets program over the last sort of few years. Um, and these days, kids look up to your your Jamie Winkups, your Scott mclaughlin's your Craig Lownds, and all that sort of stuff. And they want to be those guys. They want to sort of go into V8 supercars and all mm. that sort of stuff. So there's still there's still very much a a large portion of those kids that do want to go and follow the sort of open wheeler dream and go to Europe and do all those sorts of things. Mm. But I think probably in the last 20 years, the very much the shift has now sort of transitioned across to people want to stay here and want to make a, a career in V8 supercars because it's
0: it's a genuine career path. Are we going to see another Aussie in F1 like in Danny Ricardo around the 30 now? Yeah, look, it's a few more years there, but yeah, look, obviously, Dan's doing
1: a great job. It's been a, a tough year for him at Renault, but um, look, they've got some exciting things on the horizon and everything like that. Uh, of, of course, there will be someone that will follow sort of Dan Ricciardo. Who that will be, I, I don't There's really no know. One, no one in the. No,
0: yeah, like well, doing, Jack. Yeah, 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 Jack. Jack Jack,
1: Jack, doing. Jack doing some great things. He actually won in uh, in Asia on he's the weekend. Going pretty well, yeah, he? yeah. It, look, he's he's doing a great job, I suppose. Yeah, probably. Look, Jack Doan is probably wouldn't the, that be a cool the,
0: thing to see a like a, a Doon, like another you know another generation like you be like yourself like coming through with that that heritage. It'd be interesting to ask him why he went uh, you know went cart, carts instead of bikes, but well, no his dad's the president <laughs> of the, of he's, the cart. he he's seen his dad walk and doesn't want to sort of have that that's kind a of a limp. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's been through the wars. I I'd probably go that way. Look, we got ahead of ourselves a bit there. Like I still want to hear about your development as a race car driver. So so you're Oran Park, you're in Sydney, your, your your first experiences in race cars. I know before we've sort of met I was uh, ninety nine, eight ninety eight, ninety nine. I did a production car stuff. I did a Bathurst with Tony Longhurst, and I, I think you were in that race in a yeah. production car category.
1: I, yeah, I was in a Peugeot three hundred six. I think that's about the
0: last time I <laughs> raced. I think you, you sort of taking it <laughs> taking it a bit further, mate.
1: Yeah, but I suppose like my the very first race I ever did actually wasn't even at Oran Park, was actually at Eastern Creek. I did a, um, it was a six hour relay race and actually shared a car with Dad in that. Um, and then that was that racing with your Dad. That was that cool. cool? Yeah, yeah, look, I, I think I, I've You've been, you been giving th- your driving
0: lessons all the time. Oh, time, oh yeah, telling still you're still not doing, this, a, not doing it right.
1: Still to this day, he's uh, yeah, he's yeah. always f- giving our uh, free advice and everything. But um, look, a, a lot of second generation or even third generation races really sort of aspire to be able to sort of race with their dad at some point in time and I, i've been lucky enough i've i've done it a few times throughout my career and i, yeah. I suppose i still look back as as them being real highlights to me because yeah, without sure. dad i wouldn't be where i am yeah um and so to do that very first race and share a car with him was cool and we've done it a couple of times we've even
0: raced against each other how good um, are dads though, hey? like yeah you know, to do something have a great dad like that and support you in that like i was the same with my dad you know got me into surf stuff and then he got me into we got into triathlon together and we did adventure racing together actually raced together in a team thing yeah. it is it's great feeling so yeah so so yes I saw your name come up a lot in the Bathurst like from production car and then you started to get enduro drives so talk us through the progression because I know you know you've you've now a podium five times at Bathurst and the Bathurst 1000 which is you know the holy grail for people that aren't familiar with Bathurst it's the ultimate endurance you know would you call it the ultimate endurance race in australian touring car
1: oh absolutely it's
0: um and i think because there's so much history surrounding it
1: and Mm. and for me as i said i was i was that kid that grew up that watched Bathurst and like so many from the moment the telecast started in the morning until it finished in the afternoon just sat there glued to the tv and Mm. even even today i sort of still consider myself so lucky because i look back at myself and think I still think back to that seven-year-old kid that sat there on the lounge, just glued watching the just TV. Just of
0: this, yeah. I, I can relate. Because, yeah. But then now you're the, yeah, there's a seven-year-old kid watching you. Now. Yeah, like does that keep you grounded? Oh, definitely. Like for
1: me, it's just that it's. I, I always still pinch myself every every time I get into a race car. I still mm. sort of pinch myself that I'm I'm living the dream of that kid that sat on the lounge, wondering. But you've I know you've worked hard. To get those opportunities oh yeah yeah nothing look nothing in any industry comes easy in especially in, at an elite sports level as you know everyone always looks at uh, what you've done and they go oh yeah you've been so lucky and everything like that and th- there is a degree of luck along the way but there's a huge amount of work and sacrifice and and stuff that goes on that people don't see mm-hmm. um to get you there so for me like my first bathurst in the 1000 was 2002 but the lead up to that was sort of from when I first started racing was about eight years of doing all different sorts of one mate championships.
0: I think I saw you driving Bathurst in like a Peugeot like some. Peugeot three (laughs) Peugeot three oh six. Yeah I've I've raced three oh six who's probably named how long it takes to go around Bathurst. I've I've raced at Bathurst in a Magna. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you, I mean, so, you just take the drives and yeah, build and, your
1: reputation. Yeah, as a young kid growing up, it was just any chance to drive a car, I was in there driving, racing, whatever it was. And I suppose I sort of got a bit of a reputation as doing a lot of different uh, one-make championships and having success in those. Um, but I like you've won the, the the old Brute Ute yeah, Series. Yeah, the Ute Series. I won that two years in a row. And I think yeah. that was probably the real, that was the thing that sort of gave me the springboard into my first endurance race in the V8 supercars which was 2002, Lansvale Racing, so Sydney-based or the last Sydney-based team um, to 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 race sort of V8 Supercars. Mm. Um, Trevor Ashby and Steve Reed, I'd known them for years because yeah, they're old names.
0: They, they had they were running Group C Commodores and stuff back in the yeah, day. Yes, sort of, or something sort or, of or in, in the
1: very early part of Group A's, and yeah, they yeah.
0: They had an Escort Sports adam prior to that. Um, yeah, the question I had when I was, I was thinking about what I was going to ask you, like, what's changed because. In those eighties, nineties I knew the names and I mean, was I younger and had less things to do, you know, I watched it on TV free to air. Today I I don't watch as much supercars, you know, like I don't know whether it's because I know there's big names there, sure, but I don't know, just sometimes I watch it and it just seems to all blend in and it's too parody. I don't know if the old group A days where you had an M three up against the you know, V eight or, you know, all that different stuff. It, yeah, Can look you put, it, put your finger on it? Oh, I've got a slide here. This this will actually, Jace, slide number two. Yeah. Have a look at that. Yeah. So, slide number two, Jace will bring that up on our vision. So, for the people that are watching or listening on iTunes or can't see the um, screen while they're driving and listening to this on YouTube, I've got a photo here of Dickie Johnson and, and Brocky. And I think it's 84. In 84, the yep, yeah? yep. And then in the bottom, you'd be able to tell me better here, but that's, um, does that be Courtney or one of the. No, that's obviously, uh, that was
1: at Sandown this year, so it'll be, uh, that's Jamie in the car because it doesn't have the co-driver so light on. So oh, Jamie And yeah, yeah. judging by the helmet in the car behind, I think that's Caruso in there, so he partnered up with Cameron Waters this year in the, in so the we're, Mustang. So. We're looking
0: at the Holden Commodore, yep. which is an Opal, We'll talk about that yep. later. <laughs> and the Mustang. Uh, Which doesn't that, look like much of a Mustang no, anymore. It doesn't, does it? It looks <laughs> no. more like that Mustang hybrid they've just brought out. Yeah, exactly. It? Maybe that's why they did it. And at the top, we've got the old Group C. Is that a Group C? Yeah, Group, Group C. C. So that the was the VK a, Commodore, yeah, that and big was, flares That like. was the last
1: year of Group C. So it was uh, 84, 85, they went to the Group A regulations, and I actually went
0: to Bathurst did that you, year. So they're strong memories for me. I was about 14. Yep. Yeah, me too. Like, really like yeah. that era. Yeah. Is that... Be- I know, the age that I was—is that why I like those cars in that era? You know, is yep. there a fourteen-year-old boy looking at the Mustang and the and the Opel VX, whatever that is, <laughs> um, with the same? passion that we were looking at those cars yeah
1: look at uh, uh, the one thing we're very fortunate with in our sport is the is the passion of our fans like mm, the, these days like you still at Bathurst Sandown Gold Coast 600 or any of the supercar it's still routes there, it? It, it's still there especially mm. at Bathurst because mm. again it's that there's so much heritage there and everything like that and there is a huge amount of passion from our fans like you've only got to you've only got to listen to obviously these days with social media um, it gives
0: people a platform to be able to sort of view this sort of uh, opinions, yeah. We well, see with uh, Russell Engels' show, unfortunate to do with yeah. Paul Morris, and they get a lot of comments, and it's great. It's good interaction with the fans. Yeah, and but it's still there. Yeah, there's a, there's a huge amount of passion. Some people's
1: passion, I think, sometimes is a little bit sort of a, bit over the bit top. a little bit over the top. Yeah. But a, again, no no sport is going to survive without passionate yeah. fans, and, yeah. and we've got some of the, the most passionate fans going around, and and yeah. it's great to. You
0: see the people that get Brocky tattoos. Is there who, who's who's most likely in in the current crop to have a tattoo? Oh, well, no, Craig Lowndes. Craig, Craig Lowndes. Yeah, yeah, t- yeah, 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 there's right. um,
1: like a, a few years ago, obviously, I, I did the, uh, I was with Craig for two years in, in the Enduros and, um, and there was a cup. I remember there was one time we were somewhere in Bathurst. Um, it was an autograph session. It wasn't the main one in town. We're outside a shopping center or something. Yeah. Uh. And this woman came up and said, "Oh, Craig, like," and it was just like on on like her shoulder. Yeah. And was like, oh, can you please sign this because I'm going to go straight to get the tattoo parlor. Yeah. And get it tattooed. And like, we're sort of laughing. And the next day she's come up to the track, came over Done. and saw him and, and showed him. So what,
0: what's what's Lancy think of that stuff? What does what he? He, look. He is the he's consummate pro- professional, yeah. and he is
1: the he's the people's champion, and yeah. he he really embraces the fans, and he, and he gives them the time, uh, and that's probably I suppose something that's kept his. It's important, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. because again, without uh, I remember the best bit of advice I got early in my career was. It's not the day you get asked for your autograph that it's the problem. It's, it's the day, day you that don't. you stop getting asked for your autograph yeah. is a bigger problem. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and Craig is – and that's probably one of the best things I learnt from Craig is you've got to give the fans
0: the time. Like, what? Um, oh, This is, might be a bit controversial, but I sort of picked up some stuff. Was it Fred Gibson's driver? Is it Stanaway? Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of autographs, so I, know, I was just reading some comments. I mean, you can take it with a grain of salt, but it didn't sound like he was – being a man of the people. and Yeah, so
1: it was with Gary Rogers this year. It was at, uh, which round was it? Uh, one of the rounds, I can't remember. It was... Uh, I think it was the ones leading up to
0: Indy. Oh, le- and Indy, I still call it Indy. Yeah, every- I think runs, Coast, yeah. everyone
1: still does. Yeah, it missed, a, missed an autograph session, um, which maybe? was a... Uh, no, I think it was after Townsville, but it was... Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a a team autograph session at their merchandise area which he he missed um and so the penalty was that they stood him down for for the remainder so of that round
0: that wasn't just a one off cuz surely that would
1: yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. They never really sort of uh, mm. elaborated on uh, on what it was. I think it was actually Gold Coast, maybe.
0: Mm. Yeah, it was Gold Coast. Um, so yeah, they, they stood him down for discipline. So for they reason. take it serious, like, you know, connecting, connecting with the fans. I remember in our Ironman days, we used to go out and do, you know, every hospital in town that we were racing out, every school, every shopping centre, and it really paid off mm. in the long run. It's different now, I guess, with social media, but still connecting face to face is probably a pretty important part of it. Oh, absolutely, and you, and you can't discount the fact that those that the fans and the people
1: like they'll line up at those autograph sessions for an hour, two mm. hours beforehand, mm. waiting for for that sort of like thirty seconds of interaction with you, whether it be just to sign a post, to
0: sign a hat, get a photo with their kids, or yeah. whatever it might be. So you I guess can- you got to think back to those you know, young boys watching these races and how impressionable they are. Exactly. I remember funny story i met i was sort of a fan of all the drivers and and i knew tony longhurst was intent was was at a i was at a local gold coast drags and they had the drag races there and he had his Castrol falcon there and i think he was having a bad day <laughs> and tony's a really nice guy i've gotten to know him quite well but he can be a bit um flighty i don't know he gets a lot on his plate and uh um I've walked up to him and I said, Oh Tony, how you go on? Uh, guy Andrews, I, I met you briefly at Blah blah and he sort of said, Oh, like I'd remember that and I walked away, that first impression going, What a wanker you know. <laughs> and then his wife sort of I saw his wife like spin him around like on the top Karen and, and going, It's buddy guy Andrews, you've met him don't be a dickhead, you know, like and he's come back, Oh sorry guy, I remember you, yeah, I remember anyway, so he but like that's that sat is I guess you gotta to remember too and this is probably a big part of guys garages like you know you've been successful i've had you know a certain amount of success i think of mark Weber that i've met and these people we're all just humans we have bad yeah. days oh you exactly know, yeah um you know and everyone out there and i see so many people sharing stories when we talk about different things that people are going through on the show here and then i've had emails saying oh that's fantastic that you shared about that and i've had this stress in my life but you know, like all these successful people that you you see out there, and we used to watch on the screen when we were seven. Like they they have a life too. They got a, oh, they're no different to everybody else. So yeah, I guess there's a, a part of that. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. But yeah, and again,
1: you can't sort of you you got to remember that even though like you might be having a stressful day, like for us at the track, like you've got dramas with the car, whatever it might be. The moment you walk out the back of the garage to to walk over to the truck, there's the fans out there. they they don't know what's going on and they don't they're not privy to the stresses and dramas and everything like that they they've been standing out in the heat for as i said for however long they just want that one photo whatever it might be um and that's what's important and urgent to them what's important and urgent to you is to get back to the truck to get changed because you're hot or whatever um but yeah you can't you can't, you can't be Kimmy Rockin' no, and, and No, you Spain. can't just push your way past and sort of like push them to the side because yeah.
0: they're the people that support at the end of the day they're paying your bills because they you're buying your product or whatever you're selling. It's Yeah, they don't turn up. We don't have a job. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Mate, I've got um another slide here. Slide number uh, Jace. Slide number one. Let's have a look at that. Mate, that's your uh championship winning Porsche.
1: Unfortunately, it wasn't the
0: championship winning. That's time. not it.
1: Well, now we finished second
0: that year. Oh, yeah. I've done my research well. Yeah. <laughs> we so that's nearly the best Porsche. Nearly the, the best Porsche. But, um, so that's a parody. That's a one-make series. Yep. Most
1: successful one-make series in the world. In the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And is who was the guy that went on recently in the last couple of years and went on raced overseas? So um, through the, the team that I've raced for
1: sort of um, – I've done three seasons in Carrera Cup now. Obviously, just finished um, doing Carrera Cup this year, albeit missed out on the last two rounds because of sponsorship dramas. Yep. But so McElroy Racing, who are based up here in Queensland, based out at Yatla, Andy McElroy, ex-racer himself. Um, so we've had a couple of really good young guys come through. So Matt Campbell came through one, sort of yeah. in 2016 and went on to, to go to Europe. He's now a proper, uh, for 2020, is a full uh, factory pro driver for yeah, Porsche. Right. So he's been a Porsche junior for the last sort of few That's so years. That's amazing, isn't it? Um, so you've really lived the dream. So Porsche have really set up a um, what they call sort of the, the Porsche Pyramid. So you've got the Porsche GT3 Challenge, which is the older spec um, Carrera Cup car. Right. Then you've got, from that, you graduate up and do Carrera Cup here in Australia. And then you've got Super Cup, which is the, the Porsche porsche cup championship that goes to all the formula one races Uh, oh yeah um so maddie did the super cup in 2017 so yeah he won the championship here 16 17 uh doing super cup finished third in the championship had a couple of wins few pole positions and really sort of um made people at porsche sort of take notice yeah and has then been a a porsche factory junior driver for the last three years uh he's won at le mans 24 hour uh won bathurst 12 hour this year um, so he he's a he's a real talent and and Porsche have got some big plans for him and then Jackson Evans um, won the Carrera Cup Championship here last year went on to do Super Cup this year and is going back again with Porsche backing to go do career, uh, Super Cup again next year. So, so, so. tell me,
0: you like to run, you're talking about sponsorship for this car to run it. So what what's it cost to run a GT3 Porsche in a round in
1: uh, Australia? For the championship, you're looking at around about $400,000 for the year. For the year. Depending on damage. Yeah. And that's now, that obviously can, not including the car. What's the car worth? Uh, relatively speaking, in motorsport terms, they're not too bad. They're just over the 300000 mark. Right. Uh, when you consider what a Porsche road car is worth, they're actually cheaper than the... Than the road car, like your road cars are up sort of around the sort of four hundred thousand and right. beyond mark. And what is it?
0: So, what's the spec in this car, engine wise? And
1: so they run the three point six liter naturally aspirated, uh, putting out around about sort of three hundred and eighty horsepower. Six-speed paddle shift gearbox. Mm. Um, it bears the only thing that it bears resemblance to the road car is the overall shape. Yeah. Pretty much all from when the when the basic body shell goes down the production line, it comes off and goes to the race factory, and it's built as a race car. So fully welded in roll cage, everything is done at the race factory. It's not a converted road car. It's uh, it's built as a race car. And and,
0: and these things around Bathurst, like they their times compared to a. V8 supercar these days they're not not about a second and a half
1: off what a V8 supercar is. It's only just a bit slower, only a little bit slower, and most of that's in straight line speed because obviously you're talking 400 horsepower versus yep. 650 horsepower. Yep. These are these are lighter, better tyres, but don't have quite as much aero as the supercar. Yeah, but the handling of these is actually they're what better. Are you, than the what do super-
0: you? What are the main differences between driving that and a supercar? Well, one's left hand driver, one's right hand well, drive. Good, yeah, <laughs> well, is that better for Bathurst left hand? Uh, Turning left a lot, aren't you?
1: Yeah, you are turning more left. Um, It doesn't really bother me. Like, I've sort of like... So, that year, so 2013, 2014, when I did Carrera Cup and I was doing Bathurst, so I had... The cup car and obviously the V8 supercar, so you'd literally jump out of one, so right-hand drive paddle six-speed sh- sequential gearbox yeah, yeah. into left-hand drive paddle shift. paddle shift and everything like that. So for me, I've always sort of jumped between different cars, so I don't see it as a real big yeah. sort of drama to sort of jump between them. But um, but that year in particular, that was a that was a pretty stressful year because um, we had a had a crash in practice in the Porsche, which did a lot of damage, and the boys worked a, all night to sort of get the car back together then in saturday practice in the v8 supercars i had the brake failure at turn two had no. the big crash which uh took myself and craig Lowndes out so uh
0: can I-, I just just before we're going to watch that video actually yeah um i've worked with you at movie world and i was thinking about this before <laughs> <laughs> i crashed that many times working at movie world but i wasn't the only one but the only one that didn't ever crash was you yeah so you make up for it in a big way here but this isn't your, this is mechanical, huh? Yeah, t- is, 262 k's an hour. went for the pedal and it went straight to the floor. So talk us through this. We'll watch
1: the video. So so watch the video first. I threw the thing sideways, hit Craig backwards in and uh, yeah. Yeah, right. It, uh,
0: it all happened pretty quick, let me tell you. So Craig, you've done the Enduros with Craig. Are you in the same... Team, no, so this was seems. the
1: first year. So Craig and I were together in 2012-2013. Uh, this is 2014. And did he dump you for the Enduros? <laughs> is this, this is the Enduro. So, no, this is, so this is the year after. So I'd, I'd left, gone
0: to HRT. So you just thought you'd crash into your old team, <laughs> yeah. So tell me, you're going up mountain straight, 260k now. That's good. You're giving you a bit of a hug. Yeah, we've been good mates for a long time, yeah. and that, look. So he's obviously knows something's not right because yeah. you're not the kind of driver that's going to no. run in the back. So, of so um,
1: so I'd been I'd already been out done a bunch of laps. We'd come in, we'd sort of made a couple of changes on the car, and uh, I'd actually left the pits, and the guys actually came on the radio and just sort of um, as I was leaving the pits to sort of came out onto the track, the engineer was like, look. Uh, CL's just coming through turn one. Let him go. You've got clear track behind him. So touch wood, thankfully. I actually didn't accelerate as hard as probably what I could have coming out of the pits because I saw Craig go, and then I sort of slowly sort of got up to speed as i've gone up mountain straight there was a problem with the front left brake fitting uh where it goes into the back of the caliper and it actually fractured right. so when i've when they've pushed me out of the garage with light pressure on the on the brakes it was fine so yeah. going up pit lane i'd sort of i had done the usual just tap the yep. tap the brake there was pedal pressure there as i've come out onto the track gone up the straight when i've hit the brakes and then you've then got hard pressure maximum sort of um pressure going through the line it's actually popped the line off the back of the, off the off the where it goes into the caliper. Yeah. So basically no front brakes. So is that why the rear went step there? Yeah, so, so it's basically uh, it's it, it locked the, the it locked the rears, yeah. and in my panic because obviously the pedal's gone straight to the yeah. floor cuz it's just pumping fluid out. Yeah. I managed to get it down a couple of gears which helped to throw the thing sideways. Yeah. And luckily for me, unlucky for Craig, hitting him is what actually rotated it and sent us into the wall backwards. Because yeah. if I had gone in forwards, right it would have yep. been a much bigger impact for me. Yeah, as it, and as destroyed it, the car completely. Well, it still destroyed the car. Was it done? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. That yeah. We, we didn't even end up racing because right. it did too much damage to the cage. Um, but it's also a testament to the to the build strength and that of the cars yeah. that uh, that I walked away and yeah. literally. An hour and a half after that, I was back in the Porsche doing qualifying. Yeah, right. And
0: how, how, how do you cope with that mentally? Like, you go from a big crash like that, do you think about like something going wrong when you get back in the other car?
1: Well, it was interesting because after I'd uh, had that happen, I had to go to the medical centre and get sort of clearance... And my first priority was to make sure that the Porsche guys knew that I was okay. And I'm like, look, yeah, I've yeah. got to go to the medical center. Yeah. I've got to get the clearance. So that the doctors do all the necessary checks so and that drive again. to make yeah. sure. But obviously, I wanted to let those guys know, like, I'll be there. I'll I'll yeah, be there yeah. soon. Yeah. Um. And for me, I suppose the the mental thing was at least because it was a mechanical failing and not my failing, I could sort of. Sure, yeah. Yeah. I was like, look. Unfortunately, sometimes things go wrong, but it was a mechanical... It wasn't a mistake of mine.
0: Is uh, that better or worse? Because, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm sure you're going to lose your nerve if you, if you lose your skill and crash, but then you're then thinking about, okay, what's the next mechanical thing that's going to go wrong? Look,
1: it's one of those things you have, to, you have to accept in our game that, unfortunately, sometimes things do go wrong, whether it be as a mechanical situation like in that mm. or as a driver. I've made plenty of mistakes
0: over the years. Mm. Um, things, unfortunately, are going to sometimes happen. Um, one of the questions I had for you was like, you know, in the safety is amazing, but you know we've had deaths in motorsport yep. and and and, I, and Formula One drivers. Like I don't know, do you think at some point they go, hey, I've have had enough of risking my life? You know, like is it is it different in in your game or is it the same thing? Can you lose that edge?
1: Um. Yeah. Look. I suppose if you if you dwell on the negatives. Um. Yeah. There's there's an inherent risk with it. Uh, like you said, with Formula One, obviously the speeds that they're going and everything is that like that.
0: Ris- is that riskier, Formula yeah. One? Or um.
1: I th- look. I think when you when you take into consideration the huge efforts that they've made over the years, like you you go back, go back to the 60s and 70s. It was commonplace. Like you knew yeah. that at the start of the season, Someone's you look at it. you look at the grid at the start of the season versus who's going to still yeah. be there at the end. Yeah you were going to lose three or four people as the season went on. And that was just, that was was just normal. That that wasn't something that was just like, Oh my God. Like this was just, it was you, you read any of the biographies of those guys back then. It was like going to funerals for your friends that got killed in racing was, was almost like a monthly occurrence because there was just, there wasn't the safety in the cars or the tracks. Um, in formula one terms the last fatality was jules bianchi yeah. where there was that horrific accident that was where a he, random event, yeah, it was it? it was very it was very random mm-hmm. but it also brought up safety things which is why they've now got the halo yeah there's things from the circuits perspective about obviously you can't have um, vehicles like that on track to uh, recovering and th- mm. there's a, you, you never stop learning as as a sport there's always things we can do unfortunately death is one of those things that will hmm. from time to time happen, but the more
0: we can improve it, yeah. the less the chances are. So- how do you having a young family and, you know, you're in a somewhat risky sport, like I asked this, my last guest, John said, he you know, he's a, he's a SAS, former SAS soldier, like how do you compartmentalise you know what you've got to do at work, and then coming home and being a dad, or you know, like I'm sort of trying to tie it back to blokes that have got everyday stresses at work and things they've got to do and how they deal with
1: it. Yeah, a lot of people have asked, like, since obviously we had our daughter Ivy, like, does that does it make you go slower because you're thinking more about your family? I think it's probably more the other way because you want. And you say, so, yeah, well, do you yeah, think I'm going slower? Yeah, no, but you need job security. It's like I've got a family I've got I'm to pay go for. I've got to, I've got to provide. <laughs> I, I, need, I need to keep my job. I, I yeah, can't yeah. afford to go any slower." Um, look for me it's 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 not something I think about when I'm in the car. Obviously mm. I love my family and and everything like that. Um and yes there there is an inherent risk in, in what I do. It's foolish to say that there's not. Um, you still love it. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's just yeah. I love I love driving cars. Do you know it, any
0: professional race car driver that doesn't love racing
1: a car? Um, That's still good at it no i think every everyone has that sort of you got to have passion for what you do because if you don't have a passion for what you do especially at an elite level in anything whether it be in sport in music in in whatever you when you lose your passion for what you do that's when it's you don't like work you don't perform yeah. to your absolute maximum yeah um and in our game that's when you're
0: obviously it's time to step away at that point tell me your, your highlight like i know we said before you've Podium five times at Bathurst Now Is there a highlight in there? Not out of those Five out of everything Driving highlight
1: um, Look I'd have to I'd have to say The first Bathurst podium 2012 With Craig Lowndes Like To yeah. step out onto a podium With with anyone yeah. Is is going to be huge But to do it with Craig Lowndes Like yes. the, the The fan favourite Was but, that the
0: 50 year anniversary uh, one? I did I read that Somewhere 10. One of them was
1: I think two thousand and thirteen might have been the fifty year. I'm not. I can't remember. But again, for me, it was that. Think back to the seven year old kid that used to sit there and watching and yeah. look at the guys get on yeah. the podium at yeah. the end of the day and and here, here that to are. to then walk out onto that podium and the sea of people just chanting your name just a and, surreal and just oh, it was just. It's something that just gives you goosebumps. How do you pick yourself up after some you know massive high like that? Um, for me, I like don't get me wrong I, I love those moments because it's it's the it's the reward for a job well done um, but for me it's a case of like you wake up the next morning it's like okay I need to get home and get back to work get back to life and everything like that it's not like I don't sort of walk around for two weeks patting myself on the back or anything like that especially now with
0: a family yeah.
1: it's just like you
0: do do a lot of jobs don't you like you've got <laughs> the, the stunt job um, yep. you do a lot of motoring journalist stuff tell us a bit about how you fit all that together
1: yeah uh, Sometimes it's a bit of a it's a bit of a it's a bit frantic at times. So yeah, I've been with Motor Magazine for fifteen years now. So I do a lot of the a lot of the annual performance car stuff. So performance car of the year, bang for your bucks, our annual tyre test, uh, and a lot of other sort of smaller bits and pieces sort of throughout the year. So for me, that came about um, basically from my love of cars and driving and uh, a couple of mates of mine were working at the magazine in so 2004 was when I first started um they needed someone to help out with performance car of the year that year they gave me a call and I'm like sure come to a track and drive a whole bunch of different cool cars (laughs) sounds like perfect work for me and and I've been there ever since so uh, and still for me even like some of the stuff that I do with motor magazine is some of the some of the coolest and fun most fun stuff I've done in my career because it's for me, like going to a track and driving a car, it doesn't bother me whether, like with Motor Magazine, it's just half a dozen of us there and twenty of the coolest cars, and mm. there's not one single person there watching. Or you're at a V8 supercar round, and there's tens of, of pressure, thousands of people. Pressure environment, yeah. Well, it doesn't. Like, you, don't,
0: you don't see it as any I different. No, I just, a car?
1: It's for me. It's it's yeah. driving a car and it's getting back to the, the basics, that love yeah. of just. Going out there and, do, and doing what you do, yeah. clearly from a commercial standpoint, it's better for the V eight supercar rounds and motorsport that there is tens of thousands yeah, of people yeah, there yeah, watching. It's sort did. of yeah. us going around in a in a paddock on bitumen when yeah. there's no one there. Tell us
0: a bit about the stunt driving.
1: So yeah, I've been at Movie World now yeah. since two thousand eight. Obviously, you and I both started there in two thousand eight. You know, when I
0: auditioned. I went into the auditioning the audition at uh, Holden Driver Training Centre, and I had no idea what I was in for. <laughs> Me and neither. And here's Warren Luff. One laughs enough, I was in my audition. Like, Those ten guys and all these guys that just looked like you know stunt drivers and drifters and that. And I'm like, I was well, like feeling like I was out of my league, you know. <laughs> so that was, a, you know, tell us your perspective of that. It was, um, yeah, like movie. All's become a huge part of my life. Like I've been
1: there for just on eleven years now. But it was interesting for me how that all came about because when they were when they advertised for the show that we obviously started in. I was standing at Brizzy Airport, about to get on a plane to go to Germany for three weeks to go do Nurburgring 24 Hour and a bit of a bit of a trip over there. And a mate of mine rang me and said, "Hey, have you heard that Movie Order auditioning for some new driving show?" And I'm like, "Haven't heard anything about it." And literally, like, I was on like a afternoon flight, and the applications closed that day. Yeah. And so I basically sent them an email from the airport, like, "Hey, what, just heard, <laughs> just <laughs> heard, line of, of text, heard about this." Um, <laughs> Don't have any video I can send because I'm literally at the airport about to get on a plane. But I go all right. <laughs> I, I've kind of driven a few cars and yeah. got the call up to come to the auditions. And as you know, we did the first one out at the How out at work? Morris's place, yeah, and uh, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And then we did the second one out at um, Queensland raceway, raceway at the yeah. at the dragway out there. And then yeah. you and I were part of the
0: original twelve. I know that was it was 12 great. Ten, 12 or ten of us, I think. I think it was only ten. Yeah. yeah, yeah, ten of us. And the first day they got there, they gave us a commodore each and said, "All oh, right." And they progressively got harder, didn't they? They said, "I oh, do a threshold stop, do a J- do a one do a like a ninety stop, do a to ninety bollard, stop, yeah. a one eighty, a J turn. What's a J turn? Okay, yeah. And then forward three sixties. Remember that? Yep. Oh, anyone want to try a reverse three sixty? Hell yeah! Oh, yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was our audition process. So yeah, it was a bit
1: fun, wasn't it? No, it was cool. And and then obviously we did the two wheeling, and like mm. for me. Um, and same as any of the guys in that show, even a lot of the stunt guys that have done a lot of a lot of movie work and that, I think for all of us, the the driving on two wheels yeah, is probably that was something the new, huh? for, even for me. Still to this day, I, I tell people like yeah. learning to drive on two wheels is the hardest thing I've ever done yeah. because it's just it so goes against it everything does. you've ever sort well, of taught
0: yourself. After doing it for a couple of years, and you know we're, we're getting. We were the best probably in the country or the world that we did so much of it yeah but i went i went and did a one-off um mini cup drive in wa yep and that you know when you come down the hill and you turn onto the front straight and i was just smashing that ripple strip and the thing was just standing up on two wheels and <laughs> i was just riding it up real high and i was on, i was highest driver up so obviously when we're two wheel people that don't know you're two, generally two wheel low side down yep. for the weight down low but um well driver up so you obviously got 80 kilos of weight up there so the thing's never going to roll over but people were going holy shit you're getting that thing up high I, was like, I think you're going to roll it and I'm like nah nowhere near <laughs> trust, it trust
1: me that's a, that's a long way nowhere off nowhere near yeah.
0: it yeah, yeah i missed that stuff I, I, um, I've um, i started getting back into a little bit of just local motocana mucking yeah. around built a little shitty car and um, I actually want to build a two wheel car just get that because it's been quite a few years since I've two wheeled so I need to get the um, the skills back up
1: yeah well I haven't two wheeled since we finished the show in two thou- early 2014 2000- oh, right. it's, it's not in the show anymore no. is it? Yeah. so, so I think
0: we should make a day let's, let's make a video yeah let's do it so I'm going to make a video with Luffy you're going to go out and refresh our uh, our two wheeling skills so we'll get that sorted I, I reckon he, I reckon here's the plan Yeah. you talk about mental health
1: and everything like that yeah the and you're not allowed to cheat with this. Right. So once you've built the car and the ramp, I'll come out the very first day. Yes. And each each attempt we put $10 down. All right. <laughs> and we'll keep and so we'll, we'll do like a, a bit of a pattern. It's not just who can be the two first wheel, one to get yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. You gotta like go you've, through you, like a you've got to, slide sort of or something. You got to get it up onto two wheels until and drive eight. it. Dr- yeah, figure eights. Yeah. So we'll keep chipping in $10 So that until the first person that does it. yeah. And does the course and whatever the amounts whatever in the, the kitty, whatever the amounts it, in the
0: kitty, we'll give it to ca- charity. We'll give it to some All mental right. health charity. We'll give it to. Um, actually, we'll split it. We'll, we'll go. Let's go mental health and prostate. So prostate, I, I support. Um, it's a bloke thing. Yep. They're a great charity uh, for raising awareness and funds for research into prostate. So yep. we'll do prostate, and we'll look for. We'll get a mental health one yep. as well. Uh, that's that's a deal. Yeah, right? that's a deal. Cool. We'll make the rules <laughs> up. We'll make a video of it, mate. While we're having, while we're having a bit of a laugh, look, I, I took the liberty. This is going to be a little bit of a challenge for us because if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to get right into this. If you're listening on iTunes, you're going to have to go onto social media or later on and have a look. But what I did, Luffy, is yesterday I put a post up. I saw that. Yeah, and I asked people to nominate the ugliest car in our generation, so for you and I, so since 1970. Yep. The ugliest Australian-delivered car. Uh, so I've got about 10 or 12 cars on a slide here. So... The first one that was nominated, now this is not in any order, we're going to pick an order. So I want you to help me yep. pick a grid, top 10 of a, the ugly car grid. All right? The guy's garage, ugliest car grid in Australia. So the first nomination, Jason, if you can pull that up, slide number three. Remember the old Leyland. P seventy six, P seventy six, a car
1: that came into the Australian market with huge. It got Wheels Car of the Year and a four point four liter V eight in it. Yeah, like the engine was. It the engine was good. Yeah.
0: Um. Allegedly, it was actually not a bad car to drive. You fit a forty four gallon drum in the boot. I saw that (laughs) when I was. uh, It did have a big butt on it. Yeah. It was like a Beyonce. But um, that was in. They reckon P seventy six stood for uh, Project nineteen seventy six. But the funny thing was, I think it was built between. 71 and 73, so yeah, not sure what happened there. They were probably expected to last a bit longer than that. They made a coupe version slide four. Yeah, you thought the, the P76 was ugly. Yeah, the this coupe? is the P76 coupe. It's called the Force Seven V. That's a, that's a little bit uglier, isn't it? Yeah, th- that yeah. is like the. Um, that's like an inbred, like a a pony, like a small, like one of them small Shetland ponies has made out with a Mustang. Yeah, it's um, it kind of reminds me a bit of a like a. I've never seen one. No, but that's apparently. But look at the rake the, on that front windscreen. Yeah, there's there's a reason why you haven't seen many yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's the four. I like the names back then in the seventies. Yeah. Four seven V. Slide five. Now this thing. This is a Sanyon Stavik. It looks like a rodent. It looks like the Pope's meant to be in the back of it. <laughs> I reckon they've gone. The Pope's popular. Look at all everyone yeah. cheering. Us, and let's make something that looks like a Pope mobile. Like, like it's got little Bugs Bunny like rodent teeth at the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. That's Sa- anything Sang-Yong. Yeah. And
1: the, and the thing was, because like, the sang basically used a lot of Mercedes running gear. Yeah, right. So it was Mercedes engines and everything like that. So they got a forward, they a Ford, drive. Yeah, they, yeah, the they dual have a dual-cab thing, yeah. but it's real ugly too. Yeah, it, it? Was, it was horrendous. We'll have to
0: do the, the, the dual-cab ute ugliness award. Yeah, hey, what true. about this one? I remember this one, slide six. The Mitsubishi Nimbus. It's got a space <laughs> wagon, that must be a... It's that left-hand drive. That's yeah. not Australian. But, but it's interesting when you look at... That's the Nimbus from There's Australia. Yeah, has got a... Goal.
1: Yeah. yeah. But you That's look, actually their kid. But look at how much cars have grown. Like, I remember a mate of mine. That's his a Space mom, Wagon. His mum had one of those. Yeah. And, and it was a pretty spacious sort of car
0: and everything. Again, ugly as. It's not that big, is it? No. Like, you look at... Well, have you ever driven behind the old Jeep? Is it the Jeep Wrangler? Yeah. The four, that's tiny. Yeah. Yeah. And a shitbox Yep Hey this was a bit controversial It came up on the nomination This is very controversial The Walkinshaw Commodore So now, now listen Humans I noticed Are very good At judging people By their looks Right Yep Now when it comes to cars though I noticed on some of the comments I can't look at that car And judge it on its looks Purely alone because I know it's, you know, it was a Group A Commodore. It's probably, it won't do Win Bathurst. I mean, it was a oh. ripping car. It came along in that Group A period of V8s. Yeah, yeah. And I like the thing as a race car. Yep. Yeah. But to look at it in isolation and purely on its looks, that's a bloody ugly kit, really. you got to remember. functional. Yeah. You've got to remember, though, at the time, there was so
1: much more going on because it was, it was at the point when the relationship between Holden and Peter Brock all fell over. Yeah. And then Tom Walkinshaw came into yes. Australia and set up HSV. So that was the first car produced from HSV. So that was a car that was designed in the wind tunnel, and everything like that. So, so we're saying the ponies had just
0: got no well, taste. It,
1: <laughs> well, it, it polarised opinion here because there was your, your Holden people that were so staunchly loyal to Peter Brock. Yeah, um, and they felt that obviously that the the relationship breaking down with Holden was on the fault of so Holden every, and not on Brock. And all those
0: fans are so, going to hate anything that. Yeah, comes exactly. Out after like that.
1: You, it doesn't matter what they were going to bring out. The thing is though today, those cars in value worth. are worth huge dollars yeah, yeah. and people now sort of like really hold them dear as as the
0: Australian muscle car. So yeah. that was that was the first They do look better with big wheels. I mean that was a big wheel back then, wasn't it? Sixteen inch wheel yeah. or something. It's probably not even. But um Yeah, but in isolation, I I can see their point, but it wouldn't win my ugliest car. It's gonna no. hit go on the back of the grid. But in, in response to that, we had Slide 8, which is the mighty AU Falcon. Yeah. yeah. Now, that was ugly. Yeah. Well, see, I look at that and because I, you know. You had, de- you had an AU Falcon, no, didn't you? I have an AU. No, I've, no. Well, I've got a BF now. No, you had your BF. but I'm. And- oh, it's funny how it goes, though. So, I grew up a Holden Commodore guy. Loved Brockie, you know, when I was a young teenager. And then when I got a bit of money, I went straight down to the Holden dealership and said, I want the latest was I couldn't get a whole Dealer Team car, or I just um, I don't I don't even know HSV might have been just started. Yeah, it was around the v, the VN sort of thing, and um I, I went oh, I'll get an SS Commodore. Couldn't get one, couldn't get a test drive mm. for love nor money, and I was like, oh okay, well I'll go over to Ford, and I ended up with an an XR8 manual EB Falcon. It's funny because I took a tel, Telstar, t, yeah. t, or a Laser, No, Laser Laser TX3, laser TX3 yep. Turbo Four Drive. Back in those days, everything was real pitchy, understeery, you know, boosty. Yep. Horrible. Hated it. Drove it around back streets. Got in the XR8 with the torquey V8. And these days, Stan not that powerful, really, but it had torque and lit it up everywhere. And I went, I'll take it. You know <laughs> and I I drove it back to the Gold Coast from Sydney. But so from that day on, I've just sort of ended up buying Fords. Yeah. And that was just purely by chance that I couldn't get into a, a Holden. But... All the young drift guys are buying these AU Falcons now because they got the live axle rear end, an unbreakable six cylinder, and even the, they're even running them in the old just the autos. Yeah, and they're flogging the hell out of them, and they just keep on giving it. So they're just passing these things around like bargaining chips for fifteen hundred bucks. But so I look at that, same thing. I look at that, and I don't see an ugly car. I see something that's a little bit practical, gets kids into, you know, a bit of motorsport. The at a low level But it is ugly The sales figures at the time Definitely show that it was an ugly car Yes, <laughs> right So it's on the on oh, the next one so We should describe these cars to people listening So the next one's the PT Cruiser Remember the Chrysler PT Cruiser? I think I said you before My dad wanted to buy one of these at once Your so. dad was a car guy That's his, oh, I know Did he admit that he, out loud? Yeah, look
1: he is. He's definitely had some sort of um, strange choices yeah. in life Maybe he's an old thing as well we <laughs> don't even know about <laughs> it
0: that, that I could see what they're trying to do there because they had the other roadster thing as well. Yeah, so that they was, was at, trying.
1: That was at a time when sort of uh, Chrysler was sort of going the whole retro look. Mm, like you said, they had clearly. that. They had that roadster that was yeah, that was a, that I was think a cool thing. We've got a photo of one of them in there. And so they were like, "Oh, cool! We're winning on this whole retro look. Let's, let's keep going. Let's try it." And but it was a
0: dog as well, wasn't it? Yeah, but we're no. just going purely on looks. Yeah, no, that's I nicknamed ugly. it the, the pity cruiser. Yep. All right, we've got a Volvo. That's a that's a Volvo like a state. But remember, this is the same thing as the Walkinshaw lot. Like they had the 850 wagon that they raced in British touring cars. Yep. So I, I look at that and go, oh, well, I remember that. Flying Brick, do they call it? Yeah. And then even here in Australia, like you had John Bauer
1: drive one in the mm. Touring Car Championship in the mid-'80s. Actually, yeah. It actually won the Australian Touring Car Championship Did in 80 with Robbie Francovic.
0: Yeah, right. See, so- that's a crazy, like they're a heavy old thing, but they're they're actually built pretty well didn't they say boxy but good wasn't that Yeah, Yeah, well, their, their whole sort of thing during that sort of like 80s and that was that it was all
1: built around safety yes, and they, they yeah. were regarded as the safest cars yeah. at the time so there was a lot of inbuilt safety um, that sort of built their reputation but we're looks, again we're just looking on looks yeah but yeah. looks
0: looks was never going to be at strong point nah, nah they always had massive bumper bars didn't they yeah and old drivers alright and the VN Commodore got a, got a yeah, nomination how did, that, how did that get a is nomination is that my nominations No, okay Pretty handy car in its day, really. Yeah, like it was... Um, we yeah. battered the shit out of one of these at stunt training for That's Mad right. Max and that we bent the Panhard rod in the rear, so we're yeah. going sideways in the dirt and that. But they do stand up to a bit. Well, that was our that was our original two-wheel car, remember, that we all it was. Yeah. It was. It was. We two-wheeled that, one of those forever. Yeah. And, and um, the thing with that in that 90s, that period, same with the AU, they're just very bland. Yeah, Don't but again, you look at cars of that era
1: um, and it was... That's, I suppose, by modern standards, we
0: look back and go, oh, they were all very bland. Mm, mm. Um, But at the time, like, it's not the ugliest one. No, definitely not. Yeah. Oh, this one's interesting. The next one. So that is a Citroen. What do they call that? A D Special wagon. Actually, the sedan's uglier. The sedan looks more like a cockroach. Yeah. But that's like from the early '60s or '70s. Yeah, it is. And write down the age of it. Someone will tell us in yeah. social media. I think it's yeah, it could be sixties or early seventies. Yeah. But like the But that had
1: pneumatic suspension, and yeah, pneumatic, like, didn't they it? were so far ahead of their time. Mm. And in terms of value today, like yes, okay, I agree, it's ugly. Yeah. It's it's certainly not a pretty car. But they've actually
0: had like a bit of a resurgence. Like yeah. there's uh Well, I googled one of these and this was actually in our car park at the Surf Club. Yeah. It's in good nick, but I googled one. First one that come up was at um, auction for thirty three grand, mm. yeah. and and they go for a lot more than that. What about reliability? I look at those things and I just think maybe. Look, it's French. Yes, French have never been well, known spent for great reliability. fixing my Renault Clio myself, but that's partly because I was slow. But yeah, yeah. yeah, I know what you're saying. Imagine the parts. Imagine buying a pneumatic suspension oh. pump or something for that. <laughs> That'd be thirty three grand on yeah. its own. But look, so at we've the, got, look at the front bumpers on that. Like, imagine yeah. trying to repair that. You don't get them and What about that, that lens cover? You wouldn't be able to find one of them. Or yeah. the bonnet. Yeah. Well, actually, the bonnet would make a good ski um, to yeah. if you turned it upside down. Let's flick through. I haven't got any more uh, numbers with me, Jace, but let's flick yeah, through. It Is that it? There might be a couple more. Oh, yeah, this got, a, got a, the Tribeca, the Subaru. They really went away from there. That's a Subaru. Yeah. Look, I don't find it. I didn't think, I was surprised when I saw that nomination but I had a couple of people maybe it's the f- when when people look at the grill and that as a face yeah and then you start going yeah that's ugly face yeah
1: if if you look at just the grill and the headlights and everything like that it's not yeah I didn't but, think it was but too, in though. that sort of in that sort of medium SUV market and all that sort of stuff there's uh, not a lot of good there, there's not a lot that separates them. it's pretty much all down to sort of everything forward of the of the headlights yeah but what I actually said to you earlier and I don't think we've got a picture of it have a look oh, at the new yes. Rolls Royce Four Drive. That has got to be the would ugliest. You, would you
0: say it's like the, way, the car that that Homer, Homer Simpson, Homer Simpson d- designed?
1: Yeah, the, the thing that Homer Simpson designed. going to Google it for yeah. us. it is the ugliest
0: looking thing you've ever seen. Well, spreading these out with you can a ridiculous hear this noise. price tag to go with this. Spreading all these photos out of the car so we can pick out top ten. Yeah, it looks a bit like this yeah. yeah, sort of a roller skate kind of. It sort of takes the the seventies Volvo styling and put a Rolls Royce grill on it. Mm. A lot of those Rollers, like you see, you know, and you see the Asians get something and they stick a roller grill on the front of it. Yeah, like the Rolls Royce itself doesn't look much. Yeah,
1: but the thing is, is, if you take that car, take the Rolls Royce badge off it and put. A Kia logo on it Or a SsangYong mm. If you, you put a SsangYong badge on that You couldn't give them away They'd be nominated straight away Yeah, exactly yeah. But, again, you put a you put a Rolls Royce badge on it Has it got a bitchin' motor in it?
0: Oh be a V12 or something? Yeah, something
1: ridiculous I think they're like five, six hundred grand oh, or
0: something I think if I was going to buy an SUV And I had unlimited money I'd buy your ass <laughs> <laughs> the Lamborghini Oh yeah, the Lamborghini, your ass <laughs> Yes I'd like to get into that, your ass <laughs> Hey, um, we've got to get back onto our nominations Yep So let's pick a top 10 So we've nearly been talking an hour, mate So let's wrap, we'll yep. wrap this up with this top 10 So what's your number one? I'm <laughs> Look, I think the, there's we'll take, actually, we'll take the We'll take the Force 9X out We'll just leave the P76 yep. in There's
1: one also that isn't in there That I think definitely deserves a mention And mm. that's the Ford Taurus
0: Oh, I've got one in here yeah. Jace, jump on those slides again. It, it got a it got a double nomination. Yeah, and it is filthy. Yeah, yeah, we've got to we've got to have a look at that, Jace.
1: But it was also for a long time the the biggest selling car for Ford in America.
0: Well, there you go. America's got the, some peculiar taste, the, the, haven't they? That it, wasn't a that well, wasn't pickup truck. What happened with American cars? Like early muscle cars are awesome. Yeah, and then they went through that period of. So did we there's that roadster. Yep. So that's when cries were like, "Hey, this retro things working? It's for almost us. got potential." But yeah. Yeah, and then the Saab, that came up on a yeah. nomination. Yeah. The Colt. Mitsubishi Colt. The um, Cube. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're very popular in Japan, yeah. though. And exactly. the 120Y got a nomination. Yeah. Mud flaps made it ugly. But see, another bland, boring car, the Nissan Maxima, I think it is. Yeah. Just a, There's the Saab again, but there you've got to find that Taurus. Yeah. It's, it's maroon in the slides. Yeah, no, not that maroon. No. Oh, no. The Taurus, people will know. Yeah, so it had that long sloping front bonnet and, and the, funny and sorted. the back
1: window that looked like a fish bowl. Yeah,
0: isn't that? I, I was watching a cafe racer story the other day, and they've got a mathematical formula on how to build something yep. in proportion. They clearly did not use no, that when it d- comes d- to the definitely torus. not. <laughs> no, there's there's <laughs> some vehicle manufacturers that are very guilty of not using that formula. I'm going to nominate my yep. my ugliest car, and we might get Jase to throw down on this. So we got third. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna just completely remove myself from any of the performance aspects, and I'm gonna say. So we're only picking from these, or yeah, you could throw up. Now throw up a couple other nominations. So we're going to throw the roller in. Yeah, okay, rollers in there. And Especially the Taurus. When, I'm going to go to Taurus. Yep. Even though we haven't got a photo, can we yeah, can I'm we Google a to- Ford Taurus? T a u r s, Ford Taurus. That's the latest one. Yeah, no, we talking about back. like a '90s one. That, there you go. There it is. That's the one, right, like and that's that. a good that's angle. Terrible. Now go the longboard. The, yeah, that one. Yeah. Now that that is ugly. Look at the front of that. Yeah. It looks like a cartoon character yeah. of like someone with a bad nose. So I'm going that for number one. Yeah, me too. You I'm too. Gonna, I'm gonna piss you off and go with the Walking Shore. Yeah, the <laughs> Walking <and> Shore. <laughs> All right. Well, so the Walking Shore is next up then. So we got we got Taurus. Is one, Race me
1: all
0: you want. Taurus is one. Yeah, Taurus is number one for me. So Walkinshaw, you got a, you got a second nomination. Yeah, the Rolls Royce, the full, roller,
1: the Rolls Royce. Can you the, bring a photo of the roller up, Jace? That was the one that we we're looking at before the yeah, four wheel drive. Because I'm sorry, when I'm spending six hundred grand on a car, you want it to be good looking. Well,
0: you'd like to think. Based on that, I have to agree with you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's just no rear end of it. Like it just the car stops. Yeah, it's, it's like, a, like it's like an like eight year plan. old kid and a slide ruler have, was in charge
0: of the design process. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some of those drawings. Like a Bentley
1: SUV though? Yeah, the Bentley's okay. They did a good
0: job. that Yeah. RV. So we got Taurus one, roller, two. So that's still the Walking still got a nomination. Is that going to get knocked off by anything? Uh,
1: it's, it's,
0: it's got it, to get it's knocked off by yeah. the. Citroen Citroen Yeah Oh hang on Sanyon Stavik Yeah yeah, (laughs) The the
1: Sanyon anything If you had to be seen In the Sanyon
0: Stavik Or a Walkinshaw Regardless of its reputation
1: Sorry Who buys that
0: car Stevie Wonder (laughs) 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 Nice So we count The Stavik in three Yep All right, Walkinshaw still on the table We've got P76 PT Cruiser Volvo Nimbus Nimbus, yeah, is the little Nimbus is pretty ordinary alright Nimbus in 4 Nimbus in 4 P76 it's got to yep. be in there P- isn't P- it? Yep. in 5 who haven't we done yet we've still got the D we've got the the Walkinshaw the D oh sorry the AU Falcon AU Falcon now, I, AU Falcons I drive an AU Falcon before I drive a P76 Yeah. AU Falcon in 6 Citroen Got to be getting down there seven. Yep. Oh, hang on. oh Would the pity cruiser. The pity cruiser. Pity. Well, I'm, I'm controversial on the pity in eight. I think it could be in seven over the Citroen. Yes, I if they've have a reshuffle. Right. Yeah. Pity. PT Cruiser in seven.
1: Citroen in eight. See the whole that Citroen in the whole Art Deco sort of yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. It's almost it's, you could see it, it in an yeah, Art Deco
0: museum. The beach with a on oh. You'd have yeah. to get a tattoo on your chest, and the, yeah, well, you got the beard. Oh, I've got, I've got the beard <laughs> yeah, the it is definitely a it's definitely a um, hipster car. At oh, yeah. so isn't it? Oh, yep, yeah. Uh, Walk and shore. Oh, eight 850s there's, Volvo's gotta go yeah, The Volvo's got to go in there. Yeah, the Volvo, Volvo, and Volvo and nine. Mate, there's got to be a couple. Of, what were those other nominations uh, that we didn't have? <laughs> oh, the Saab, the Saab, and the um, the cube. Yeah, the instant Cube. Well, Saab in 10. So are we pushing the Walkinshaw out of the top 10? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Saab in, Saab's in 10. Volvo 9, Saab 10. There's our top 10. Okay, ready? Yeah. Taurus in one. Ford Taurus. Yep. Strong contender there. <laughs> the Roller, the $600,000 money not well spent Roller. Then there's Stavic. The on Stavic or the on anything. Three. The Nimbus, Mitsubishi Nimbus in four. P76 in five. AU Falcon in Six. PT better known as the pity, pity take yep. pity on that and in 7 the Citroen the hipster's car of choice in 8 and the Volvo wagon in 9 the Saab in 10 yep solid yep look I'll publish those on um, social media and open to some more suggestions but hey we've got to start somewhere I haven't seen a good Australian top 10 ugly cars no. it was I googled it yep some cars came up but not a solid top no. 10 so if you didn't nominate it's too late yep you can get in later uh, mate that was fun that was good fun thanks for having me there's a million things we didn't cover <laughs> always is at the end of these shows um, we will catch up again we'll talk Definitely. a bit more about it two wheeling two wheeling special two wheeling special Look out for it. So you, guy, make, you make it happen so guys garage essentially is anch- we're anchoring the, the YouTube channel with these podcasts and then I just sort of drop in sort of some fun stuff in between so this yeah. two wheel challenge Luffy and, and Guy for charity will be coming up next so thanks mate Good having in. alright guys did you see my new shirts? I like the shirt that's cool I've got a few different shirts I just mm. had the black and white ones yeah, I'll stand up a bit. check that out if you, you're not on you're just on trying none. to show off your big
1: chest <laughs> <laughs> stop sucking in oh, And relax <laughs>
0: now so yeah I've got three different designs so uh, yeah check them out and don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe on that YouTube channel and we'll be out on uh, iTunes soon hey Jace, yeah cool Apple <laughs> uh, yeah Apple come on Apple Let's get on iTunes. Okay, thanks, mate. Good to see you, buddy. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, stay tuned for the next episode.